welcome to the Beware of the Stampede podcast. I'm your announcer for today, Jeremy Grethel, and let's get ready for kickoff. Hello, Bills Mafia, and thank you for joining me, Jeremy Grethel, from Beware the Stampede again on our second episode. You can follow us on Twitter at BWR the Stampede, and also check us out on our website at BewareTheStampede.com. Also want to take a quick moment to thank Joe from Believer's Talk, who's been providing the video content for the website this year. And you can follow him on Twitter at Believer's Talk, and also subscribe to his YouTube channel at Believer's Talk. Joe provides a lot of great content out there. He has his pregame breakdowns. He talks about any breaking news going on with the Bills. He also live streams games through uh, hashtag sports this year in Sportscaster, where he'll give you live play-by-play and analysis and breakdown as the games are happening. And this year, he's actually going to be broadcasting for the Thanksgiving game. So if you're going to be sitting around and you want to check him out on YouTube or Sportscaster, you can watch him and listen to him doing that game on Thanksgiving against the Dallas Cowboys. So let's talk about the Browns game. A lot of things have been going on this week. And there's two words I want to say to everyone out there that's listening that are very important that we all need to hear. Don't, don't, don't panic. Okay, we're not on the Titanic. The ship is not sinking. It's not everyone to the lifeboats. Women and children first. Get off the ship, okay? We all need to take a collective deep breath and just move on, okay? We've addressed the issues, supposedly. It's all out in the media, and we're going to see what happens this week. And this week against the Dolphins is going to be critical to the season. This honestly may be the biggest game of the season. And the reason I say that is because we just walked away from a game that we should have won. We had the opportunity to win, but we didn't. Now, this team has been in some close games, Miami being one of them, where we had to come from behind at home to pull out the victory, and we got away with some stuff. We've been getting away with some stuff. But now the Browns game... A lot of that's boiled over because we didn't walk away with that with a win, even though we had to try and grind that game out, and they've been good at it, but we didn't. And now media's pulling all this stuff out. Fans are upset. Obviously, there's play-calling issues that we've seen. So now it's the opportunity to fix those things that are out in the forefront. Don't panic. Take a breath. It's going to be fine. But there's a couple different pieces I want to talk about. We're going to have to see some changes in for this season to continue to be successful as opposed to regressing. We need to keep progressing. So this Dolphins game is going to be critical to that. So I'm really excited to see the Dolphins game on Sunday because I want to see what happens. I want to see if there are these changes that they've been talking about this week that the players have brought up and said that I need to fix this problem. One of those players is Steven Hauschka. In this year, he's only hitting 61.5% of his kicks, which is a career low. He's not house money. He's missed all three of his attempts from over 50 yards this season. And this Sunday, he left six points on the table in a game that we had the potential to win. He missed a 34-yarder, and more importantly, a 53-yarder in the closing minute of the game that could have tied it and put us into overtime to have a chance to win the game and he missed that field goal. Now, what's frustrating with Hauska this year is there hasn't been a good reason for why he's been underperforming. He's not hurt, and he's even said that. So there's something else going on, and no one seems to know what that is because he even said to reporters he wasn't feeling 100%. And I quote, Physically, I feel good. Mentally, technically, you've got to be on every single week. Sometimes you head into a game not feeling, for whatever reason, not feeling ideal. And most of the time, you kind of get away with it. Sometimes you don't. That's kind of how I feel after last week. So this week, I just have to do everything normal and get back into this game and the routine. If you kick long enough in this league, you're going to have an off day. You're going to have an off game. Yes, you are. As with any job, you're going to have an off game or an off day. But you're not just any other person. You're an NFL kicker for a professional football team. 
and you've got to make those kicks. You're getting paid to do that, and you're brought in to do that job, and you're not doing it. So whatever that problem is, you need to figure it out, and you need to fix it. Because when you're leaving points on the table in this league, it's very hard to get those back. So you've got to take those opportunities, and you've got to convert those. And we've seen what happens when you have issues with your field goal kicker. Look at Chicago. That was a train wreck last year and everything that went around the whole field goal kicking situation. And Hauska's good. I mean, we know that. We brought him in for a reason. And he's been, historically, a fantastic kicker. But for whatever reason, this year he is just struggling mightily. And he's got to figure out what that problem is, and he's going to have to address it. Because we're 6-3, and three, we're still in the hunt, but you can't leave those points on the table. And you are going to have a very short life as a kicker in the NFL if you continue to only hit 61.5% of your kicks. But a 34-yarder, I feel like you should be able to make as an NFL kicker pretty much all the time with very rare exception. I think there were about 20 mile an hour gusts in Cleveland, and as an NFL kicker, that shouldn't really impact your kick at all. You should be able to account for that. At this point in your career, having gotten to this level and being that good, 34 yards with 20 mile an hour wind gusts, you should be able to hit almost all the time, unless it's a bad hold, or you're hurt, or all of a sudden there's a wind gust of 100 miles an hour, where a hurricane comes through the field and takes the ball and spits it out the other way. But there's very rare instances you should be missing that. So if he hits the 53-yard field goal to put us into overtime and we go to win that game, I feel like this would have been overlooked, but that didn't happen. So now we're talking about this situation. And now this is brought to the forefront, along with some of the other things that we're going to talk about later on this podcast. And this is where this game against the Dolphins is going to be interesting to see. Because now that this is out there in the media and this has been a hot topic, are these problems going to be addressed? Because they're not going to be overlooked anymore. We've overlooked some of these problems as the season's gone on because we've been winning. And that's easy to do when you're winning. Because you can say, well, yeah, you know what? We should have done this. We should have done that. We didn't, but we won the game. Because at the end of it, the W is the W. Same as the L is the L. But it doesn't have an asterisk next to the L say, we lost because of A, B, and C. It's just a loss. Same as it's just a win. But when there's certain pieces that contribute more than others to that loss, those are the ones that get highlighted and brought out more. So now that those are out there, we need to see what's going to happen with that. So House is going to have to sit down, figure out what that problem is, and fix it. So I'm going to be curious to see how he does this week when he's kicking against Miami. He gets those field goal opportunities, those extra points. Is he going to have a problem, or is he going to go out there and he's going to drill everything and be house money again, like we're all hoping that he's going to be, because that's what we've seen, that's what we know. So this is the guy that you want to have out there kicking those field goals at the end of the game to put you into overtime or to win it. And this is a guy that you expect when that opportunity comes up is going to be hitting those. So when he's not hitting those, that's a problem. That's a problem for any team, but especially a guy such as him who has such a historic career at this point. So this week's going to be a true test for Hauska to see how he does, how he responds after being kind of called out in the media by the fans and admitting that he's got a problem that he needs to focus on. So we'll see if House Money comes back this week, if he is more consistent, if he seems to be more in the game, and kind of how his performance is, because I think that's going to be a true test to see what's happened and how he's responded to this. So we'll see how he responds this week to his issues, if he's corrected them, if he's fixed whatever this problem is, and he seems to be more in the game and more consistent and more of what we're expecting of House Money. So to be continued, to be determined, and we'll see what happens. So the next person I want to talk about is Levi Wallace and his struggles recently. Uh, And if Kevin Johnson's going to be starting on Sunday or if they're going to put Levi in. Because last week, all five times he was targeted by Cleveland's Baker Mayfield, he gave up 55 yards and a touchdown to Jarvis Landry in the first quarter and Rashad Higgins' touchdown in the fourth quarter. He's been incredibly inconsistent. He's actually come up quite a bit in conversations if you've listened to any of the game recaps by anyone out there. 
and he's been very suspect as far as his defense. I mean, he's started all nine games so far and played 94.1% of the defensive snaps, but he's struggling mightily because he's giving a completion every 7.9 snaps, and he ranks 64th among 73 cornerbacks who played at least 50% of the team's snaps. He's allowed 42 receptions on 63 targets, which is a 66.7 completion percentage. His 470 yards allowed is tied for 60th most. His four touchdowns allowed is tied for 62nd most. And his passer rating against is 109.9, which is 53rd. He's been getting torched, and that's been a huge problem for us in the secondary. That's been the one weak spot we've really seen as of late is with Levi Wallace, and that was clearly evident uh, this past Sunday. I mean, he's been struggling to keep up with receivers. He hasn't been turning back to get to the ball. He's been getting burnt, and we can't afford to have that when our run defense has already been struggling when we have such a vulnerable player in the secondary at the moment as a starter, uh, at least in this defense. And maybe he fits better somewhere else in a better system. But for the way the Bills operate right now, he is certainly the the weak link in the defense, and we've got to find a way to turn that around. I would not be surprised to see Kevin Johnson come in and play. In fact, I'm actually expecting him to start on Sunday over Levi Wallace to see what happens after this last game has shown that he's not able to keep up with some of the better receivers in the NFL. Granted, it should be an easier matchup against the Dolphins receiving-wise. I'm not sure you take that chance at this point. Because we already had to dig ourselves out of a hole against Miami in the last game we played. Now, earlier this year, Wallace was doing a good job. Uh, Through five games, at one point, he had 24 tackles and four passes defended, which he actually had more tackles than Tredavious White. I think part of that is because teams weren't taking as many shots against Tredavious White because, obviously, as we know, he's one of the elite defenders in the secondary. And his passer against rating just goes to show that as he's leading the league still. So Levi Wallace may be limited as far as his shelf life as a starter at this point. I wouldn't be surprised to see them put Johnson back in as he is a veteran, has a little more experience. Now, earlier this year when we played Miami, Levi Wallace gave up seven of nine passes in his coverage area for 108 yards and a touchdown with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. So it's safe to assume part of the game plan is going to be to target Wallace. So that's something we're going to need to keep an eye on if he does start the game. And again, that hasn't been determined yet if it's going to be him or Kevin Johnson. So we'll have to wait and see how that's going to play out. Final thing I want to talk about today is the meeting that McDermott had with the team talking about playing fearlessly and the guys going out there and playing their game and not being as concerned with not making mistakes, but just go out there and do what you got to do. And Josh Allen even said on Wednesday, to have that green light and confidence from him still means a lot. Not saying I'm going to go out there and be reckless. Those are two different terms for a reason. Just be very aware of what's going on, but not be gun-shy about anything. And he's been doing a great job lately. Allen has really progressed nicely. I mean, he's thrown 128 straight passes without throwing an interception. He's continuing to move the ball on the ground. He's got to tuck it. He's got to be careful with the fumbles. That's still a problem, but we've seen the interceptions drop dramatically. Now, I think it's been a lot more conservative play calling. If you look at the yards he's thrown for this year, and again, I'm not saying it needs to be a 300-yard game, but you're not seeing a ton of yards. And we've been winning, but you're seeing 160, 180, 210 yards. I mean, he just had his career high last week against the Browns for 266 yards. That's fine. Again, doesn't need the 300-yard game, but you want to see him extend the field. With a guy of his caliber, with the arm that he has, I would expect to see more consistency around the 250 mark where he's able to extend the field, throw that ball downfield, and have success doing it. And we haven't seen that yet. That part of Josh Allen's game hasn't developed yet. And that, that is the part that is incredibly exciting because once he figures that out, once that clicks and he gets on that timing with his receivers, 
mainly John Brown, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be huge because he is going to just go off because he's got the arm to do it, and he's got speed on his team to get downfield to get open. So if he can figure out that timing route, it's going to be insane what happens. And he could put up some really big numbers this year. And we've now seen him have the green light to basically go there and do that. What needs to happen is Dayball needs to start making some better play calling. That's been a big problem lately, especially because we've seen Singletary's usage go way down again. And that shouldn't be happening for Guy when he's getting the touches has been consistent in his production. And we've seen that happen. But then all of a sudden, his touches start getting wound down again for some reason. So Dayball needs to start feeding the rock to Motor. Let him run. Then open up the passing game. Let Allen start taking more shots downfield. Getting him some opportunities. Put Duke Williams back to the active roster and get him in the games. Give Allen a big physical target to throw to let him go run those 20 yard routes throw the ball in there throw it high and let him go up and get it he matches up well with a lot of these smaller cornerbacks and secondary safeties out there and we should be giving him the opportunity to have the success by putting in the right personnel so put duke williams back on the after roster get him out on the field i don't know why he's not but that needs to change especially when we're in the red zone and you can throw the ball up in the corner to a guy like duke williams who's going to go up there and he's going to get the ball so put him in the game. Figure it out. I don't know what you got to do. Make it happen. I'm very happy so far with the way things are going in that sense because at least now they've said, hey, we know we have a problem. We need to fix it. We're going to let the guys go out there and play their game. Now, Allen needs to make sure he's being smart with the ball still. And like you said, he's not going to play recklessly. It's still making good decisions, and he's been doing a good job of that. So he needs to keep doing that. Dayball needs to start opening up some of the play calling, what he's comfortable doing, um, if he's still trying to work like he was when he was in Alabama, you know, keeping a very similar type of scheme. But you got to play to Josh Allen's strengths if you're going to go this route and you're going to say play fearlessly. So let Allen start throwing the ball. Let him run the offense the way he wants to do it. What do you want to do, Josh? What are you comfortable with? What do you think you can do? If you think you can throw the ball 40 yards down and we're going to make it happen, just work on those plays because we know he can throw the short to intermediate routes. We've seen that happen, and that was a big criticism in his game, that he wasn't going to be able to make those plays. He was inaccurate. He was overthrowing receivers. Well, we've seen this year, that's a big change. He's making those throws consistently. He has Cole Beasley now to throw into the slot. He's used John Brown like crazy. I mean, Brown's having a hell of a year at this point. So he's got the guys in there to do it. He just needs to have the right plays to call and the confidence, the coaches, and management that it's okay to make mistakes if he does and not be reprimanded. So this week's going to be a big week. I really think this could be the week he goes off for 300 yards, 300 plus yards. I think he's going to figure it out. I think we're going to see a lot more aggressive game plan on offense. I expect that we're going to see that because the way the media has been going after McDermott and Dayball this week, you can tell they're uncomfortable answering these questions about the lack of production. And you can really tell McDermott doesn't want anything to do with this discussion. So I'm sure Sure, he's with Dayball saying, like, we have to figure this out. Like, this has to change. This can't continue. Granted, the team is six and three. So you have to give them a little bit of leeway here because the team is still in the playoff hunt. They're still winning. We're not an 0-9 team or an 0-8 team or 1-7. We're doing all right. But that doesn't mean there aren't things to fix. And that's what they're doing here. This now gives them the opportunity to say, look it, we know it's a problem. We're trying to figure out what to do to fix it. And now's the opportunity where they have to go out and fix it. They're not burying their heads in the sands, thankfully, and trying to be like an ostrich and saying, there's no problem here. We're 6-3. and We're okay. Everything's fine. They know it's not fine. Everyone knows it's not fine. But at least they're acknowledging that it's not fine. 
And I'm okay with that because I would be more concerned if they were continuing to say, we don't have a problem. There's no problem here. Everything's fine. We're winning games. It's okay to score 16 points. It's not. And they know that. So fix the problem, however that needs to be. And if you're telling the guys that they have the green light to go out there and play fearlessly, good. Let them do it. Let them go out there and just do what they need to do. These guys are professionals. You shouldn't have to coach them that much. Honestly, at this point in their careers, they're professional athletes. You really shouldn't have to go out there and tell them every little thing to do. So let them go out there and play their game. Let them play to their strengths. Just give them the tools to succeed. And a lot of that starts with the play calling. So Dayball's got to figure out what he needs to do, but he needs to utilize Singletary more. They need to get Duke Williams in there. They need to start throwing the deep ball more and taking some of those chances. Because honestly, if Allen's going to throw a pick and he throws the pick 50 yards downfield, fine. It's 50 yards downfield. It's not 10 yards downfield. They might be down at their 30-yard line trying to score so at least if that's going to be the case and we're going to have those turnovers fine let it be on a deep ball take the chances throw it downfield see if we can extend it see what happens you got nothing to lose honestly at this point the play calling has been conservative they haven't been putting up points so they need to do something else so let's just go for it just throw it see what happens worst case scenario is we throw a bunch of interceptions and we're still mad because we're not putting points on the board. I mean, really. We're mad when we don't win. We're mad when we lose, obviously. And we're mad because we're not putting up points. So why not take the chances? I mean, the worst thing that happens is we lose the game, which, again, would be bad. But at least if they're making an attempt and we see progress, I feel like that's a little bit better than it being the same old song and dance that we've been seeing and hearing. Because nobody wants that. You were able to get away with some of that stuff earlier on in the season when we were winning and you could mask some of those issues. But when you start losing the games, people become a lot more vocal about it, and it becomes a lot more of an issue. It's brought more into the spotlight, because it's easy to then say and pick out those pieces and criticize it because we lost the game, not because they won the game. This is their opportunity to go and fix that, and they need to do that. And Josh Allen, it's not your fault. I appreciate you taking the blame. Like, good for you for saying, hey, this is on me. It's not on you. It's on everybody. It's the whole team. Because at the end of the game, like I said, the wins and losses is just a win and loss. It doesn't put an asterisk there and list specific players who were more contributing to a win or a loss than others. It's a team sport. So everybody plays their part in that, whatever it may be. But the coaches have their work cut out for them. The players are going to have their work cut out for them. Because this game going into Miami is going to be a real big test. Because A, you could go to 7-3 and three, or you could go to 6-4. and four. And right now that's a big difference. 7-3 and three puts you in a really good position. Still keeps you alive to even have a shot possibly at winning the division. We lose this game, zero chance that happens. And are we likely to win the division? Probably not, because it's the Patriots, and they're a good team. But we played them tough. We did. You know, we lost that game, but that was not a game we got blown out against. That was a game we were in. And honestly, we didn't play our best game. That should be exciting. We could put ourselves in a position to actually win the AFC East. I think there is the potential for it if they figure out these problems. I don't know if that happens or not. That's going to be determined at a later date, hopefully on Sunday. But there is the potential, if they figure this out, with the personnel that they've gone and got this year, that they could be a very dangerous team. I worry a lot about playing the Baltimore game because Lamar Jackson's just a game changer. He's unbelievable. I mean, he's just putting up ridiculous numbers. And he's a very dangerous quarterback, and that's a very dangerous team because they have built a very similar team complementing Lamar Jackson's strengths. And I see a lot of similarities between the Ravens and the Bills. Differences, the Ravens are putting the points on the board. We're not. We need to figure out that problem. And, and that does come back to the play calling. If we can get that problem fixed, there's a lot of potential for this team to go a long way. And it's going to show a lot of progress, which is what we all want to see at this point as fans. You know, at 6-3, and three, we should all be pretty happy. That's, that's a huge accomplishment for this team from where 
it was a year ago at 6-3 and three, and being in the playoffs potentially. So if our biggest criticisms right now is the play calling and us not putting enough points on the board, that's great. I'm okay with that. Fine. That's fixable because I truly believe that's an easier problem to fix. It's not the problem we had last year where we had, in my opinion, a lack of a lot of talent. We didn't have people in the right positions. We didn't have a very strong offensive line. We didn't really have quality receivers for Allen to throw to in a lot of cases. I mean, we had Benjamin, we had Zay Jones, who we traded away. Benjamin's gone, and now we brought in Cole Beasley and John Brown. Duke Williams has emerged when he gets the opportunity to play. So we've gone and we fixed a lot of the issues we had last year which I think is why we're all so excited come preseason. I was. I mean, I went to a lot of training camp. My God, it was impressive, some of these guys. I mean, Duke Williams is, he's that good when he's on the field. If he gets the opportunities, he really is. He's a big, strong guy. And you watch some of these things happening, and it's hard not to get excited. And you look at the team now, and it's still exciting. The problem is we just need to fix some of these issues. And that's going to either be immediate, or it might not happen at all. And Dayball's job is probably on the line for this this year. I mean, if we are 6-3 and three now, and we have to not fix this. Team Tank somehow doesn't make the playoffs, and it's because we're not scoring points. I have a hard time seeing him on the on the team next year. I really do, because at that point, it's his it's his blame. It's not Allen's blame. It's not the receiver's blame. Because right now, the way Allen's playing, you can't fault this guy. You can't. You can't fault the running backs. You can't fault the receivers. Everyone, for the most part, is doing their part. Some players, more than others, have blame. As we talked about, Hauska, Wallace have some blame to play here in some of these losses. But it's not all on them. Ultimately, if we're scoring the points, we can afford to miss a field goal in there. We can afford to give up a touchdown here and there. But when you're scoring 16 points, there's no margin for error in the NFL. There just isn't. No matter how good your defense is, scoring 16 points is not going to get you a win very often. And you're going to probably lose more than you're going to win. Until we figure out how to put more points on the board, however that may be, we're going to continue to be stuck in this rut. Figure it out, Dayball. Allen, I'm excited to see you play Sunday. I can't wait. I have a feeling it's going to be a huge game out of you. And I'm pretty pumped to see it. I think it's going to be your first 300-yard game. I want to see Duke Williams back in the lineup. I want to see Singletary getting fed the ball like crazy. And I want to see this team put up 30 points. And we'll go from there. So let's see some progress. Let's see W on Sunday. And then we can all collectively take our deep breath, not panic, and see what happens. So until then, go Bills and beware the stampede.